I attended three conferences, spoke at um, one church, one seminar, and basically got to bed about one o'clock most mornings and was up at seven. So I am somewhat whacked. But it was great. Caught up with my son who'll be here next week. Josh is coming back here. And uh, also I left 40 degrees heat and I came back at Auckland Airport and I could see my breath. It was that cold yesterday morning. It was unbelievable. Folks, it's so nice to be back with our family. I tell you, it was great also to get a bit of perspective and I'll talk about it a little bit more next week about what God is doing in the world. I was with some two, 3,000 church planters from all the way around the world. And I'll tell you what, it was mighty encouraging to see what God is doing. But before my beautiful wife comes today, who I'm so delighted to see her, I just wanted to read something that struck me this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to just pull this out. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. I'm going to pick it up at verse 3. The Word of God, by the way, is incredibly important to Jesus and to His church and therefore to us. Father, thank You for this food we're about to receive. We're thankful for it. Verse 3, Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption. That means we've been sprung from jail. We have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head and even Christ. Verse 11, we're nearly there. In Him... We were also chosen, we were selected. Having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will in order that we who were the first hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Father, today we are so thankful that we are adopted into Your family. Before the world even began, 
you knew those who would come and accept you. Thank you that you've called us. Thank you for this beautiful grace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. My darling. Okay. Thank you. Hello to everybody this morning. Welcome. If you're new here, um, you landed with me preaching today because Ian's just flown in from America. <laughs> Actually, for the truth be known, Grant was meant to be preaching today and he owes me a coffee. <laughs> so he said, he did say that he got off lightly a large coffee. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everybody. I'm, I'm going to be sharing a message that I've pondered on and I have considered a lot and I've titled my message, A New Mindset. It's actually from the book of James. James has some potent things to say and they're quite out there. In fact, they're crazy, actually. <laughs> Sorry to tell. Some of you have read the book of James. Who's, who's read the book of James? Yeah, he's, he's quite remarkable, isn't he? He's got some amazing things to say. So I hope at the end of this message, you possibly may have a new mindset. That's my hope. I hope you'll be encouraged what I'm gonna share because it's like God's word, whenever it's preached, it has the power to make an impact and to change our lives. James, okay, okay, all right. This is what James asked us to do. And I thought I'd put a picture of my granddaughter up there because she is a joy bean. <laughs> Although this is a serious topic and it's a potent one, I thought, well, why not start with a bit of joy? Uh, she's sitting on a bombo chair. <laughs> she looks lovely. You can hardly see her face, right? <laughs> okay, but she's got a cute little smile there and she still fits in the bombo chair. <laughs> okay, James opens his chapter with consider. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. Consider. Consider. When I looked at the word consider, I looked it up in the dictionary, which I'll share with you later. May you consider what he's saying there this morning. Consider it. What are we to consider? That when we meet trials of various kinds... It's a joy. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I don't think they're a joy sometimes. <laughs> to be honest, it's a pain in the neck sometimes. Anyway, in the context of this scripture, theologians tell us that James wrote to the persecuted. He wrote to the Jews that were being dispersed through the persecution, through their faith. They were leaving in huge amounts from Jerusalem and heading out, basically because of their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this scripture was not written lightly. You know, these were written to people like who were refugees. They were getting out. They were leaving. They were displaced. Like we have 25 million people, I think, on the planet that are displaced. They were displaced for their faith. So James was saying to them, consider, consider it all joy when you face various trials. Crazy. <laughs> so I have considered this week a lot. In fact, I considered it so much, I wrote half my message again on Friday. <laughs> I thought, this is not right. It has to be right. It has to theologically fit. If it doesn't, anyway, 
I did a lot of considering. To consider means, I looked it up in the Oxford Dictionary, and this is what it means. When you consider something, you form an opinion after careful thought. You, to reach a conclusion after you've considered something, taking everything into account. You've, you've thought about it, you've considered. So James is saying, taking everything to account, my dearly beloved brethren, consider it all joy when you face a trial. Weird, <laughs> weird. <laughs> okay, and by considering, may this possibly change your mindset. So what does James mean when he mentions the word trials? Wilfred and Zuck are Dallas theologians and they say the trials are not necessarily related to personal testings, but actually trials of faith. That's what this in this context means. These people, as I said, they lost their homes, family members, they lost everything. But somehow they thought it worth it. The Apostle Paul also, he had to face some extreme situations, didn't he? You know, this was a man who believed in the gospel. He believed he had a revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he certainly considered it worth it. He considered it worthwhile. We can remember what he faced, right? He faced beatings, he faced persecutions, he faced jails, he faced slander. But somehow the central message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was worth it all to him. Amazing. The message of grace, the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's a message of repentance. And we think, Paul, you found it a joy because you preach repentance to people. What does that mean? But he had such a passion in his heart. He saw that repentance was the way to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He found out that you can forgive through the Lord Jesus Christ. God can forgive us. I think the most meaningful thing in my life was to find out that I can forgive others and how can I forgive? Because the penalty of sin's been paid for. You know, if you can grasp the central message of the gospel like the Apostle Paul did, it's a life-changing message. You don't need to be caught up in your bitterness and anger because you can forgive. Why? Because Jesus paid the penalty for the person's sin that's actually hurt you. Nobody gets off. The gospel has got a huge message of justice. Justice has been done at the cross. Justice, you can't forgive the partner that hurt you, the partner that abandoned you, because a penalty has been paid. Paul caught that and he thought, my trials are worth it. If I can go and preach that, my trials are worth it. He considered it all joy. He also learnt to be content in all the situations that he faced, preaching this amazing gospel. How on earth did he do that? He learnt to be content. How? Can you remember the next part of the verse? Through Christ who strengthens me. How are you going to pull this off? How, how are you going to preach the gospel? By realising your strength is not from yourself, but from Christ alone. We've just sung that passage, didn't we? In Christ alone, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Wilfred and Suck, 
my favourite people, my Dallas theologians, whenever I do my Bible study every morning, I have my Bible, I have my Bible commentary. Because when I get stuck, I go and read them. Like, what do I know sometimes? These are the experts. So, Wilfred and Zuck state, trials can be faced with faith. They can be faced through our faith to produce spiritual maturity. They will develop a mature Christian who will become all that what God wants them to be. You know, that's why we have our trials. He's not so, as Ian said, so interested in our comfort, but our spiritual maturity. Interesting. The, uh, the Apostle Peter shared too, he suffered trials, he suffered problems. The trial of his faith, he writes, you don't have this verse on your outline. Incidentally, you have an outline there. It's a bit Spartan. It's not like Ian's, but possibly as we go, you can write the verses in and anything else you want to. You don't have this verse on there. But it says, in this you rejoice. This is what the Apostle Peter writes. Though now for a little while, you may have to suffer various trials. Why? So that the genuineness of your faith that's the genuineness. I'm sorry to tell you, but your faith will have to be proven genuine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've had to have my faith proven genuine. It's a painful process sometimes, but it's the genuineness that the Lord's after. Why? Your faith is more precious than gold. Wilfred and Zuck state, our faith is precious to God. It's so precious, he will allow disciplines. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's good theology. <laughs> you will have disciplines, you'll have problems, and you'll have trials because your faith is precious to God. He will go to any lengths to make sure you make it through, which though perishable is tested by fire, may redound to the praise and the glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus. We live a life worthy of our Lord amongst our trials that we face. Last week, Eric came to share about how the gospel needs to be shared. We haven't done the job right. He talked about the funding been needed to take the gospel to countries where it's never been heard. You know, when Eric decided to go with his family, he was prepared and he would have had to face trials, right? To preach the gospel, we have to be prepared, and I have a sneaky suspicion we'll be in for trials. He was, C.T. Studd was the man that started the organisation Eric worked for, WEC. Remember what it stands for? I got a bit confused. Worldwide Evangelism for Christ. C.T. Studd started it. He was a man of 51 years old, I'm a little bit older than him, so anyway, he started it. And he, at 51, decided he was going to take the gospel to the unreached people groups in Africa. He was 51. He had a few health problems, but he considered the gospel message more important. He was prepared to suffer for his health, suffer in the fact that he would have to leave family at home, but he thought it worth it. He thought this message of salvation has got to go. So he went and thought, I'm willing to be a trials. And when I related that back to our church, I thought if we're going to launch the peace plan, we're going to get marching on 
plant churches, equip servant leaders, assist the poor, care for the sick and educate the next generation, we're going to have to be up for some trials. Doesn't sound comfortable, does it? But these were men. This was the Apostle Paul who was willing to suffer trials. But you know what? We go in the power. As Christians, we believe we have the Holy Spirit, right? We can pull this off. Why? We have the inner strengthening of His Holy Spirit. He will help us. It's not our work anyway. It's His. Because of our faith, you'll probably face trials. May I suggest a few? You may have trials of rejection and ridicule. You may not seem to fit at work. That's because you don't. (laughs) So, you know, really, you think I should fit, but you don't because you're different, right? (laughs) Sometimes you may be slandered for your faith. Some people suffer imprisonment for their faith, loss of family. And do you know what? They still consider it worth it. Don't they? You've read books and people still consider it worth it. So let's go to slide two. I think I've missed one, but that doesn't matter. So James said, consider, and may you consider this morning, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. This is what it's about. Our faith produces the spiritual maturity of endurance. Actually, the New International Version uses the word steadfast. Different versions will give different um, words. The word knowing, somehow James thought, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, steadfastness. What does steadfast mean? Constant firm, unwavering, that's what the Oxford Dictionary says. So James is suggesting it's a good thing when you have trials and your faith is tested because it will produce something good. It's going to be productive. It's a good, that's a, it's a good thing. You will grow in your faith. So unfortunately by that verse, it seems that our faith will have to be tested. <laughs> I don't like that. You probably don't like that. You think, I'd, I'd rather be happy. I'd rather go, I'd rather do things that would make me happy. Testing trials? No, they can't make me joyful. <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul, he was tested, wasn't he? A lot. I've mentioned some of them, but he was actually tested with sickness. Remember? He prayed to the Lord. Lord, relieve me of the sickness. We think it has something to do with his eyes, but really we're not sure. He prayed three times, and the Lord said to Paul in the end, and we've sung about it this morning, my grace is sufficient for you. To the Lord, it didn't matter if you were sick or not, Paul. You could still preach my gospel. You don't need to be well to preach, didn't he? My grace is sufficient for you. You can do it whether you're ill, whether you're healthy, or you're not. It didn't stop him. If we're all honest, we all have many testings in many areas of our life, right? Or am I the only one? (laughs) Is it just me that gets tested? You can be tested at work by ill-mannered people 
abusive people possibly, reckless, heartless people. You may be tested by an unfaithful spouse, maybe even an abusive spouse, a difficult teen, an illness, a tragic circumstances. There are tragic circumstances and that's why I think James has said, consider. You know, life's tough sometimes, isn't it? It's not easy and it's not, we shouldn't be trite about our troubles, our testings, our trials. Maybe even the death of a loved one can test your faith. You know, I'd, I thought, well, maybe I could share a few of my testings with you. I, with you. I remember my very first testing, I could say, when i just become a Christian. I was 18 years old, and I've been going out with Ian for a couple of years. He was my first boyfriend, and we'd been going out for two and a half years. And he decided to break it off. But I must confess, I did go out with somebody else. <laughs> so <laughs> it was my fault, it was my fault. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> without laughing here, this was terrible. This, my, the, my actual world dropped out of my life. I loved him dearly. I thought he loved me and here he was breaking it off. Yeah, I did go out with somebody else, but really, you know. <laughs> but I had a broken heart and I was angry. My first test, I was angry at the Lord. I can remember lying on my bed shouting. I was so angry, Lord, you could have stopped this. This is your problem. I didn't really see it was my problem. But uh, no, it, this was his problem. This was his problem. I was angry and I was broken hearted. I was so broken hearted once, I can remember driving home from work from the hospital as a nurse. And may I say, it was only the fact that my parents were so good to me and they supported me during that time, but I considered hitting a pole. I was so broken hearted and so depressed, I thought I might as well end it all. But you know what? The Lord saw me through that brokenheartedness, that, that um, hurt in my heart, that testing, I hung on and he saw me through. There's another test came when I was 27. My family found out that my brother was very sick. He was really ill and it didn't look as though he would live. So... As a family, we love my brother dearly. He, the news shocked us all. He said he had HIV. What? I just, we sat there all stunned, but the point was we loved my brother. I loved my brother. He's the apple of my eye. And what, as you do when you hear some news like that, you go to God's word and you pray, and as a new Christian, well, relatively young Christian, I was reading in one of the book of the prophets, um, I asked, and I was reading a verse, trying to find something, Lord, my brother's got to be made well, he's got to be healed, this can't be the end. I, I read some verses and I sort of thought, yeah, this is, this is what's going to happen. It was talking about how his hurt, his wounds would be healed, he would be healed. I think when I reflect back that I took the verse out of context, unfortunately. I didn't read the Bible as I know how to read it now. My brother died. He died at 23 years old. That was a huge thing in my life. I remember sitting 
beside his bed the morning he died and I cleaned his teeth, I brushed his hair and I thought, you know, if he's going to die, he's going to die with dignity. He was a handsome young man, he's going to look good. So I sat there with my guitar, I sang him songs and within about five or six hours he died. But that trial, I wasn't angry. The Lord had moved me on in my life and given me a more of a sense of spiritual maturity. I wept like all of you would weep when your brother who's 23 dies. But God was good. He kept our whole family in that trial and in that test. The last one I wanted to share was, I had an interesting thing happen to me when I was 30. I started having a problem in my ear. I was have this noise and this deafness but it didn't just last a few days or a week, it lasted for three months. Just about drove me batty. It's like some of you who have possibly had a nerve injury to your ear, you've been playing drums and you get the sound. And it gone on for a long time and I felt like I wasn't part of any conversation that the family had because you always had the sound. I tried to talk to my mother on the phone and I couldn't hear her. Well, I prayed. And I pray, <laughs> nothing happened for a couple of months. And then finally, Ian gathered all of our little children around us. Right, we're going to pray for mummy because she really needs God to help her. So they all gathered around me. Oh, I must mention, just before they did that, a, f- a few days before, I went to an ear specialist and had a ear test done. He worked, he was in Remuera. And when he did the ear test, he said... He told me afterwards, which I already knew, you've, you've lost a lot of hearing. It doesn't look like you'll be able to hear much out of your ear. And I said, well, what do I do with the sound? It's driving me nuts. He said, well, you just turn on the radio at night and have the radio on a bit longer. I thought, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't want, you know, I was just, oh my goodness. So he said, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to live with it. Well, anyway, that night, my husband and the children, they all came around me and they prayed. They prayed for healing. We didn't know what the Lord would do, but they prayed for healing. Well, the next morning I got up. Nothing happened at that time. I got up the following day. My, as usual, my mother rings me most days. She, would, she got on the phone and you know what? I could hear. I could hear. And it was like, this was awesome. I've never been so grateful in my whole life. But what I'm trying to say is that testings, we don't always know the outcome of our testing. God's sovereign, that's good theology. You can't necessarily say what will happen, but God's got a plan, he's got a purpose. In your trial, he's producing endurance, he's producing steadfast, he's helping you be solid in your faith. You know, Joseph and his brothers in the Bible Joseph soon realised and he learned in his heart, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. His, his test was a difficult one, wasn't it? He was rejected by his brothers, he was stuck in jail, but he had this solid faith. They meant it for evil, Lord, but you meant this for good. I'm not going under. <laughs> so there's hope. James doesn't leave us hanging. He goes on to... F- Further, and he's suggested the point of the trial is endurance. So, what do we do in the trials and the testings? Well, what do you do? 
I mean, I'm stuck in this trial, Lord. My life's not that great at the moment. What do I do? This slide here. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all men without reproach. It will be given to him. You ask for wisdom in the trial. That's what you do. So what's the sort of wisdom that James is referring to? In chapter three, oh, verse 17, a little bit further on in the book of James, he says this is what the wisdom is. God's wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, it's reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. Have you noticed those are all attributes? They're attributes in the trial. Sometimes it's not just what we do in our trials, but it's our attitude to it. The things that we face, we face with gentleness. We're open to what the other person is saying. It's, what, it's how we live in the trial that's important. So what do we do? <laughs> we ask. We have the next slide. You ask. You ask the Lord, Lord, help me, give me this wisdom that I need to cope with my trial. Next question. So how do you get through the trials? We know that we can ask for wisdom in our trials. You endure. <laughs> Another word I don't like. <laughs> Who likes to endure anything? I mean, give me a break. I don't even like to endure exercise sometimes. You know, you know we, we are meant to get on those bikes and run those marathons. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> I'd rather go and eat an ice cream and have a cup of coffee things. <laughs> you know, but I'm sorry to tell you, you have, it's endure. You don't give up on the trial. You don't quit. You do it God's way in it and he'll bless you for it. You hang in there. That picture was taken in Africa. We drove these long dirt roads. <laughs> you endure the trial. You come out the other end. You know, what did Jesus do in his trials? If you go through a trial and you think, well, we can often think it's just me. No one else has been through stuff before. But that's not true. What did Jesus endured abuse and he didn't abuse back. He endured those that reviled him. He didn't revile back. He didn't even seek revenge. There's so much lesson in the life of our Lord, the way people treated him, he didn't treat them back like that. He endured. He had a different mindset, didn't he? You know, that's the wonder of our gospel. Totally rearranges everything. You know, it gives you a renewed mind, a renewed heart. That's the whole point. And how did Jesus do it? How did he pull this off? How did he have a different mindset? He trusted God, the one who judges justly. When you're abused and you're treated badly, he could cope with it because he knew his father will judge all situations justly. That was his hope, that was his faith. The Apostle Paul had that same faith too, didn't he? That God one day will judge all men. I don't need to worry how people treat me 
because I know my Father will judge justly. So we endure. James states a bit later on too, blessed is the man who endures trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of, of life which God has promised to those who love him. Paul's hope was the full redemption of his whole character. It was the redemption of his body. And Paul believed in something quite unusual. <laughs> and we often talk about it a lot, but we often don't hang on to it enough. And that's eternal life. That was the whole point. He believed in the resurrection. He believed Jesus had risen from the dead. Therefore, one day he was gonna rise. You know, he wasn't gonna stay dead. That's his hope. It's a different hope. He hung on to it so dearly in his heart. That was the crown of life. That was his promise. The Apostle Paul says, we're not only called to believe, but we're called to suffer for the Lord. It's the truth, isn't it? When you really think about it, sometimes doing the right thing, you'll suffer for it. You often can think, if I do this or I do that, one's gonna be better than the other, but actually, doing the right thing, you will still suffer. But we're not just called to believe, called to suffer for our Lord as well. But take courage. Look how many of the apostles and the Old Testament characters, they were willing they saw something different. They thought, yes, this gospel message is worth it. It's worth it living a life worthy of our Lord. It's worth it. Will Riddensack, Dallas theologians again, state, right responses to trials can result in growth to full spiritual maturity. However, a wrong response to temptations and trials can lead to spiritual poverty can lead to shipwreck. Some of us may have been there, you know. I didn't (laughs) accept my trial for what God was trying to do in my life. And I ended up in a shipwreck. And possibly make it a matter of earnest prayer that you'll see our trials as they'll build steadfastness. They'll build endurance. These are the qualities that will make that our Lord is concerned about. What's it all about? It's making us holy. Making God's making a people for himself that are like him. See it as a productive thing in your life, may I suggest, how crazy as it may seem. Consider it a little joy. Consider it as something productive. An opportunity for you to grow and see things that you've never seen before. You know, the last three weeks, my Ian's been away. We haven't been apart much in our marriage. And it was lonely at times. And I thought, Lord, this must be how other people feel, those that don't have family or friends. So yes, it was a trial, a small one, and the Lord helped me. But your trials will teach you something, don't they? You know, when you look, your testings will teach you something that you didn't realise before. So can I finish with slide number eight? (laughs) Let steadfastness, that's the outcome, that's the result of our trial. May it have its full effect that you may be perfect, 
Did you know we're meant to be perfect? I know I'm not perfect yet, but that's his goal actually, that we are made for holiness. We're made to be partakers of his nature. Quite a goal really, part of the partakers of the divine nature. That you may be perfect, complete and lacking nothing. Yeah, lacking nothing. Each little test, each little trial you go through makes you that bit stronger, doesn't it? Thank God he's not finished with us yet. (laughs) May I get the musicians up? That'll be great. So may I suggest that we don't run away from our trials, that we do what the Apostle James says. Consider them. Consider. Let's consider that. May I just pray for us before we sing our last song? Maybe you want to stand up because we're going to be standing up anyway and I'll pray. I'll wait for Kevin. He's doing the bongos. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hmm. Father God, we have talked about a topic today that's not easy. That is difficult. None of us claim that it's easy. But somehow in your word, you have said, consider Lord, you've told us to consider it all joy, my brethren, when you suffer various trials, that the proving and our faith may be proven genuine. Lord, fill us with your spirit this morning that we may pass those tests. Prepare us for trials and we trust in your Holy Spirit to help us overcome them. Lord, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus, you are the cornerstone that we believe it's worth it all. Fill us with your spirit, no matter where every person's at this morning, a small trial or big trial. We ask for your presence in the trial. We ask for your strength to strengthen us because we believe that it's worth it all. Thank you, Lord, for your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen.